0: Houston's Morning News. All right. Pew Research had an interesting piece about food stamps here in the United States, just how prevalent they've become, just how many millions of people get SNAP benefits, how much the program has grown, how much the program is costing. A lot of things in there that are kind of eye-opening. Merrill Matthews joins us, resident scholar at the Institute for Policy Innovation. What stands out about this Pew Research piece to you?
1: Well, the, the, uh, it's very interesting because we are actually increasing the number of people on the SNAP benefits right now. That's, we call them SNAP. That's the food stamps. They're not really stamps anymore, but the number is large, and it grew uh, understandably uh, when the pandemic hit, but it's staying way up
0: there. Yeah, something like 41.9 million people are on the food stamps right now here in the United States. That's amazing. Yes.
1: And there, that, that may very well begin to decrease because as part of the debt limit agreement, uh, Republicans required that the work provision in there actually expand. It had ended at uh, with the age of 49. It's now going to move up to the age of 55 over the next year or so. Uh, Democrats did not want that. They felt that that was un, un, inappropriate to ask people to work for it, but the work requirements in there w- are going up. Uh, for uh, older older, middle-aged people and that will uh, take place and so they'll have to work at least 80 hours a week if they want to continue uh, receiving SNAP benefits and uh, Texas is expected to lose about 44,000 people who are on SNAP now who will probably leave because of that.
0: What is the income requirement to get SNAP benefits?
1: Uh, it's 130 percent of poverty so it's fairly low. States can vary that to some extent so it's not a lot. Um, but on the other hand, it's not. That's not the only thing. People on SNAP oftentimes are getting TANF. That's the uh, cash grab program. They may be getting a federal housing subsidy. They may be getting Medicaid as well. When you put all of those together, it can be significant. And and, and former state senator, uh, uh, Texas Senator Phil Graham has pointed that out in the book last year, that when you put all the benefits together, it actually becomes a fairly significant package that people can receive.
0: So. Uh, when you take a look at um, all the government benefits that are going out to, to to many of these people, regardless of what their income is, is it safe to say that a lot of these people are getting more in benefits than a lot of, well, probably doing better than, than a lot of people are in many foreign countries who otherwise would be considered on the poverty line?
1: Absolutely the case. And the interesting thing is, under the federal government's rules, they don't count those benefits as part of income. So if I remember correctly, uh, Graham's point was you could be making about 40% more than you're actually showing on uh, on the federal rolls just through the various income benefits. It's not a lot, but it is a good bit more, and that actually puts them fairly high on the uh, on the income level compared to other countries, and it also uh, dramatically decreases that notion that we call income inequality. If you take higher income people and you remove the taxes that they pay, because the federal government includes that in their in their income, even though they don't get it because it's taxes, and you take the the, the uh, people on welfare and add the extra benefits, it uh, dramatically narrows that gap in income inequality.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Merrill. Good to hear from you. Merrill Matthews, Resident Scholar, Institute for Policy Innovation in Dallas.